Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Welcome back to the Woke and Wired podcast. Today, my guest is Paige Purasa, who is my personal secret weapon to staying healthy and sane in New York City. Well, back when I was in New York City, because for the last few days, I have been in the Catskills in our new tiny cabin that me and my fiance Eric shared everything about in episode 56. Paige Barassa is the kind of acupuncturist that will make you laugh, will make you feel healed, will make you feel heard. And all of that comes from both her personal interest in healing and a lot of training in traditional oriental medicine, psychology, Ayurveda, and nutrition. I love this conversation because Paige just keeps it so real and she busts some acupuncture myths as well as shares the behind the scenes of the business of running an acupuncture practice in New York City, not just as an acupuncturist, but also as an immigrant from Canada. I'm also an immigrant, so I can relate to any additional hurdles that come from being an entrepreneur that is not from the U.S. In this conversation, Paige shares all the hurdles and challenges and lessons she has learned so far from running her business, her approach to entrepreneurship. She shares books that have impacted her the most as a business owner. We talk about social media, both from a business perspective and from a human mental perspective. We talk about the personal development program that has had a big impact on both of our lives. And she also talks about coupling and other awesome wellness modalities that you may have heard about, may have seen on Instagram, and may want to know more about. If you enjoy this episode, make sure that you subscribe to Welcome Wired Podcast on the iTunes app to make sure you get notified whenever a new episode drops. And take a moment to leave a rating and a review to the show also on the iTunes app. I would really appreciate that. And if you're called and think that someone in your life might be moved and inspired by what's shared in this episode, definitely share it. Text it to them, email it to them, spread the good word. Thank you for being here with me and um, I'll see you on social media. I'm off to Aniwa, which is a gathering of 40 indigenous tribal leaders from all over the world. And I'm going to spend five days there experiencing community, healing, art, culture. So I am excited about that. And if you're curious to hear more about what it is, I definitely will be posting updates probably after it's done on at Woke Wired, my Instagram account. And you can also listen to Vivian Villela, who is the co-founder of Anua Gathering in episode 57, which is the one right before this. All right, guys, it's 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, and I'm here with Paige Barasa, who is my personal acupuncturist. I discovered Paige a few years ago when I was getting off birth control. And Paige, you were my savior for feeling not as stressed out about my skin, my digestion, and all the things that come with hormone changes. And since then, whenever I'm feeling crazy or overwhelmed or have a launch coming up or I'm in the middle of 10 different trips... I know that if I'm going to come to your office, I'm going to lay on that freaking biomat and I'm going to come out feeling spiritually woke. So here you are. We're going to debunk some acupuncture myths, tell people about what the magic that you do is and keep it light and fun because 
that's, I think, what makes you different. Yeah, that's the only mode I know. <laughs> you, you are so much more relatable. You're like the modern. You were, I mean, your Instagram name is the AccuChick. What else do I need to say? Yeah. So speaking of that, let's start there. Okay. Your Instagram name, what I traditionally do with my guests, I'm going to read out your Instagram bio okay. out loud, and you're going to explain what it is that you actually do. Cool? Okay. Yeah. So if you guys want to follow along, it's the AccuChick, Paige Barasa. I always get tripped up with the titles. I know. It's so annoying. Can you tell me how you actually are supposed to say it? Okay, so it's M-S-T-O-M-L-A-C, which means it's a master's of science in traditional oriental medicine. And so that is different in that in California, we typically go to school for about four years full time. So you do an undergrad that's four years, and then you do four years of master's of science. In a lot of other states, you can do six months of acupuncture training. You can do a weekend course in acupuncture training. You can do you know, a year and just do acupuncture, no herbs. Um, in New York state, I think it's two years, two and a half years, acupuncture, no herbs. So there's a lot of other types of training, but in California, we have the the highest standards for acupuncture. So it is, you get the, you get the MSTOMLAC, which is master's of science, traditional oriental medicine, licensed acu- acupuncturist. So you are the highest grade acupuncturist there can be. Well, I will be in six months because I'm in the middle of my PhD. And then I will be, it'll be me and four others at the top of a mountain sipping tea with our pinkies up. No, that's not what happens. But (laughs) Wait, how are you running a full-time practice and getting a PhD? I didn't even know that. Yeah, no, that's fun. Where's my social life? I don't know. That's how it works. I mean, basically it's running a full-time practice, treating patients. I have five employees um, underneath me that I'm, you know, working with all the time and then PhD pretty much evenings and weekends. So, you know. And Barry's boot camp in the mornings. Right. And not a lot of clubbing. <laughs> yeah, Barry's boot camp once a week. <laughs> this body is built on stress and one a week workouts. So. <laughs> okay. Pause there. Mm-hmm. Back to your bio. So the category that it says is entrepreneur, which is something we're also going to get into, I definitely want to not just bust some acupuncture myths, but talk about the business and the mindset and the inner world and the inner happenings behind your business and what you're doing. So we'll cover that more. But the bio itself says the acupuncture chick, saving your world one needle at a time, founder of Shen Medicine, acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine. Magic in NYC. Mm-hmm. Lots of emojis, sparkles, Lots leaves, of emojis. eucalyptus, needle, whatever that is. Yep. So that looks super fun. And from looking at your profile, I would have never guessed that you have five employees, a full-time practice, and are getting a PhD. So what do you actually wake up and do every day? What does your life look like? Run. Just run. I just wake up running. <laughs> What's in your hands when you're running? Right. Like it's, I would love to say that, you know, I wake up and meditate on a lily pad and have my, you know, warm breakfast and do an oil massage and all of the other things that I should be doing. But it's a wake up and run at this point. I think that where you go through different spurts in life, right? And, and right now it's a little bit chaotic, but, you know, there's periods where I do get to kind of wake up and stretch and, meditate and go to a yoga class and not really start like working until noon. This is not one of those, but it ebbs and flows. And you know that there's times when you're slammed and crazy and you're like, how am I keeping up with all of this? And there's times when you're like, you know, I could do a little more. So 
So yeah, so I mean, the PhD is something that, well, it's actually a doctoral program and there's a bit of a difference between the two, but there's a new program coming out or that's come out for licensed acupuncturists. It's just really taking the training to the next level and kind of supplying us with the education in case we want to go into research or in case we want to work in more like an integrative setting with different functional medicine doctors or in hospitals. And there's, since there's a ton of research coming out now on acupuncture and the efficacy of it and different disease patterns and illnesses, I think it's really important that we have kind of hold ourselves to a higher standard, get the extra training and, and make sure that we're well-versed, you know, because really with the amount of schooling that we do, you want to be set apart a little bit from, you know, the, the healers that are, you know, going and doing like four hour ayahuasca things in the forest. And like, that's a totally different type of spiritual medicine. That's hard to, I think, bridge the gap between that and Western medicine. Whereas acupuncture, we've now been able to break it down on sort of more of a biological basis and say, okay, you know, we do, we needle this point, then all of the white blood cells rush in and the immune response spikes. And this, this point is really good for immunity. Wow. This point is really good for quelling nausea in, you know, chemotherapy cases. There's starting to be research behind it. So I think it's important that we kind of elevate our education and elevate our, elevate our vibe to be able to meet that demand for being able to explain our medicine. That was the impetus for starting the doctoral. So with all those different things that you do, what, which one is making you feel the most woke? At the moment, I've, I've really hit an entrepreneurial stride. I mean, I, when I put in the, the Instagram entrepreneur, I think there was like three things to choose from. And it was like real estate entrepreneur or I don't know, sewer technician, I, something ridiculous. <laughs> so it was like, I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I guess like there wasn't a lot of options. I, I should probably go back and revisit that. But I feel like business is really kind of business is what gets me up in the morning. I've kind of turned a page a little bit and, you know, seen I think when I started to hire on other acupuncturists and have a team underneath me, it's like when you become responsible for the paycheck of, you know, five different women, it, for me, that sort of put it more, put my mode into more of like a managerial entrepreneurial, like let's make this business run because then it's not just you, you know, like if you fail, if patients don't come back for you, that's just on me. Right. So like I can go do something else, but I would die a thousand deaths before I had to tell one of my staff that we just weren't busy enough to, you know, pay a paycheck. So that's become my major motivator to get out of bed in the morning. And, hit the ground. and how did that happen? The transition from just running your own practice, renting out an office to having five employees. Was that something you learned in school? No. Or was that one of those crazy things you just learned step by step? That was just, that actually blindsided me. I mean, I was just overwhelmed. It was, you know, I never had done any marketing, any advertising, hadn't put any money into PR. And I was just getting so many referrals, word of mouth. And, you know, kind of when you have something that works or you fix somebody's chronic back pain they've had for 10 years or you you know fix somebody's insomnia they've had for 20 or you get somebody pregnant that hasn't been able to get pregnant through four IVF cycles that word of mouth carries so much weight and it's so powerful and those people are just speaker phones for your practice right so you do that enough times and it's like spreads like wildfire so it was a couple of years ago i was just overwhelmed and i'm you know treating more patients than I should be a week and not having any time for myself and kind of getting a little run down. And so I made the decision to bring somebody on and carry some of that weight, which was great. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, actually now I, 
kind of want a couple different people to specialize in a couple of different things because, you know, I'm really good at pain. I'm really good at sort of internal medicine. I'm very good at anxiety and depression. But then now we have somebody who's really good at fertility. So I kind of wanted to spread out the specialties and make sure that we had somebody in the practice for everyone, you know, so that if, if I can't, if I'm not especially strong with herbs for eczema, then we know that there is somebody there that is. So, so it kind of happened organically. I got overloaded and I was like, I need to make this a little bit more manageable. I hired one acupuncturist and then I hired another acupuncturist and then I hired, you know, an office manager and all of a sudden you turn around and you have a whole company, but it wasn't part of a strategy at all. You make it sound so easy. Not easy. Right. Yeah. So what have been some of the biggest challenges and mistakes along the way of hiring and expanding? Because from experience, I know that being responsible, like you said, for yourself versus other people, and I've not even ever had full-time employees, but that must be a whole different game. It's so different. Like sometimes I want to go in my creative shell for a week and not speak to people. If you have a team under you, you can't do that. So tell me everything. I would say what happened, the thing that happened easily and organically was the growth for me because of the referral network. And because of, you know, that was sort of not easy because it's, I mean, I've been at it you know, eight years. It's not like this happened in one year. But I would say with like hiring and having employees, that happened because I was overloaded. So I would hire somebody. But the interesting thing is it's like you said, like it's a whole other game when you become when you start to manage people. And that's something I'm still kind of perfecting. But what I've found through I've had, you know, five office managers now. Yeah, like I've yeah, we've had like a lot of turnover with office managers because really like I take the onus on me because I'm not hiring the right fit. And I've just actually finished an incredible book on hiring that you should definitely read called Who. So it's W H O and I forget the author, but it's Who. I'm going to put it in the links guys in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you are a wellness guru or, you know, like a crystal worshiper or whatever you are that doesn't fit into the corporate mold, it still gives you good tactics for hiring the right person for your team. And when I read that book, I realized where my hiring mistakes had been made. And one of the things that we do when we hire that's a mistake is that we hire from the gut. Like I have a good gut feeling about this, right? And especially as intuitives, like Senia, you're an intuitive and a lot of people I'm sure that are listening are intuitives. You think this person's great, like I like them, you know, they're making eye contact, they pretty much have the skill set and I have a good gut feeling for them. What the mistake with that is, is that you need to list down the functions of the job and then ask yourself, like, can they do the job? Like personality aside, gut feeling aside, like, is this going to, is this person, if it's a, you know, square peg in a square hole, like that needs to fit. You know what I mean? If it's a round peg in a square hole, it's not going to fit, even though you love the shape of the round peg and you love how many colors are on it. So a lot of times what I was doing is the first person I hired was, you know, a nutritionist right out of IHN, IIAN, all the I's and all the N's. Yeah. (laughs) All of those ones. So I hired her and she was very lovely, but you know, she wasn't very organized and she wasn't good with, you know, things changing quickly and things are pretty fast paced in our clinic. And, you know, it's no fault of hers, but I thought, well, this is great. She understands the background. She understands nutrition. She understands healing a little bit. So, you know, I like, it's pretty easy from here, but really what I needed was somebody who can organize, can put things in a spreadsheet, can, you know, has great phone manners, can, 
you know, see where there's holes in the schedule and fill them. Like it's a completely different mindset. So I would say with hiring, like you really have to write a list of your specific needs and then put down, can they do the job? Look at their resume, like find out from references, make sure that you do a very good interview. And then will they do the job? That's a totally different thing. So, right. So do you like put your gut on the shelf for this? Yes, totally. Any role at all? No, you know what's interesting? It's so interesting because I'm I'm hiring a second acupuncturist now. And even in this second round of hiring, there were a couple that I really went with that I was like, oh, I really like these. Like I'm really going with my gut on these. Like this is this is good. And I have a very strong gut instinct that like this is where all my work comes from. And they kind of were getting to the third interview and ones that I didn't think were gonna be as strong ended up showing a lot stronger in the third interview. And so it's, if I'd just gone on the first or second interview, I would have a totally different idea of who to hire. Like the front runners are falling a little behind and the people that I didn't think were really going to be that strong come out and show their skill set, and they're amazing or like are able to explain something to me in a way I've never heard of before. And like, that's what I'm really looking for at Shen is something exceptional. That sounds so interesting. So you're saying that gut plays no role in hiring and you find that that's more effective. What about business development and getting clients and all the other sides of the business. What role does intuition play in it, if any? So what does intuition play in like your, I'm going to go with this marketing strategy or what, what do you mean specifically? Just, I guess everything, business expansion, like choosing, taking the step to have your own office and expanding your office and deciding to hire people and marketing and social media partnerships, everything. So that I think you can use intuition a little more for, because, you know, when I found my studio, I was like, this is the place. Like, I feel like this is the place. And so that was just a matter of making it like the right price, the right time, all of that. As far as, you know, there have been a couple of people who've approached me about PR and I just never have had a good feeling about it. So I haven't done it yet. Everything that I've been featured in or or asked to be a part of has just been kind of organic. And like, I haven't really felt a pull to do that. So I think I trusted a lot more in business, but you have in like development and, you know, making the business grow. But if you think about it, when you are hiring somebody to work with you and hiring somebody to do a job, there's a lot of emotional investment in there, right? So really, if you're going with your gut, your emotion, it's not so much really your gut, it's your emotions at that point. It's your emotions that are playing like, oh, I really like this person. Like, oh, like, you know, I would love to have, for example, I was interviewing a guy a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I love him. Like, I love his vibe. He's so effective. I like that his technique, all of these things. And I was like, oh yeah, like we have to get him in here. And then I came back and I'm asking a couple of my patients because it didn't really even occur to me. And I was like, you know, you, you guys would be okay with a guy. And I probably asked 20 patients over the course of a week and everybody was like, no, absolutely not. No, 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 I wouldn't feel comfortable. No, no. And I was like, man, you know, so it's totally different because you, you go with what you want and really like, it's sort of a fit for the practice more. I mean, that's one of many examples, but I would say that the easiest way is just, just, just split it into two categories. Can they do the job? Will they do the job? Can they do, do the jobs? Does their skill set match what you need in a skill set? Will they do the job? Is, are they enthusiastic about this? Are they passionate about this? Are they excited to grow with the team? Are they committed? And do you see them really like look around and want to add value to your vision? Because, you know, I also have candidates that come in with 10 years experience and they're amazing and they're, can they do the job is incredible, but they're like burnt out and they're, you know, a little cynical and they're, you know, we should be getting paid more, 
you know, as acupuncturists, when we get out of school, we shouldn't have student loans. And, you know, there's like a lot of negativity and mm. kind of, so that's not great. So it's really those two categories that I think are a great, a great basis for hiring. So looking back at where, what you've built, we're both are immigrants. So yeah. we have some things in common with that. You're from Canada. I'm from Russia. Mm-hmm. What is the moment that so far you have felt the most aligned and self-expressed, whether that's been through your work or not? A moment where you've been like, whoa, I'm really in the flow. I'm at the right place at the right time. And I feel seen. Interesting. I feel seen is a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that's happened yet. (laughs) But there are little things that I truly believe that like God, the universe, Allah, Buddha, whatever you ascribe to, there are little nudges that I get that I'm like, I stop for a minute and I look up and I'm like, you got me, huh? Like you did this. (laughs) And that makes me feel really good. Like that makes me feel very aligned. That makes me just take a moment of gratitude and just, you know, I, I'm clearly, I'm doing the right thing, you know, because I think you get bogged down in making sure everything works and like the tediousness of the business and making sure, you know, the day-to-day is running. And sometimes you know, when I haven't been treating a patient for a couple of days and I've just been working on the business, I'm like, is, you know, where's the magic in this? And then I'll get like a little nudge, something will drop into, you know, my inbox and somebody will say, you know, thank you so much for this. You know, we're pregnant now. Or, you know, I got one the other day that was like, I was looking for some sort of a, a help with the infrastructure for the business because we're taking it into a kind of a new, a new structure. And, and I met a woman on Instagram and we've been emailing, emailing back and forth and we got on a call and she was like, Oh, I do this and this and this. And it was like exactly what I was looking for. And I didn't even ask for it. And I was like, you know, that was one of those weird times where you're just like, well, that's pretty much exactly what I asked for. So mm-hmm. it's those moments where I feel especially aligned and, and pretty in flow, you know, I think. Yeah. And so you said you, in those moments, you like to take a moment of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Is that just like a mental awareness for a moment or do you actually like pause and pray or drink a cup of cacao whatever like I'm just yeah. saying what I do <laughs> no, wow I need to start doing that I would, I would be so high <laughs> be like I need another cup of cacao no so for me I like I have a kind of an open a funny open dialogue with God or the universe there's a lot of people who aren't comfortable with the word God but for me it's God and you know like I'll kind of look up and just be like all right like thank you for that and just kind of smile or, you know, especially it's also funny because I do the same thing when something really doesn't work out. Like if I'm pushing for something and it just doesn't work out, then I'll look up and be like, Hey, you put me here. So we got to figure this out somehow. And if you don't want me to do this, you can, you know, get up to that batter's box. Like go ahead and show me then. And I'll have Mm -hmm. a complete conversation with God about, you know, if I'm pushing at something and it's not working, well, what do you want me to do then? You show me. If I'm clearly not doing it right, show me. And then within the next like two weeks, it'll be like, I'm on a totally different path. And I'm like, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. You know, this is so powerful. I was actually just thinking about it this morning. I am in the middle of, like I said, 10 different trips and all these releases and projects. Yeah. And I sat down in my morning, five minutes of quiet space and and my brain started rushing. I'm like, where do I even begin? Yeah. And then something inside of me was just like, just give it up. And I said this little prayer, you know, to God, universe, spirit, whatever it is, just show me how I can be 
in alignment and take the most high impact actions. That's it. Yeah, that's awesome. And then moments later, I just came back from the Bahamas where I was volunteering. And it so happened that what came out of it, one of the things that came out of it was Lenny Kravitz has his own heart bowl right now, which is my product. Oh, really? Yes. Amazing. (laughs) so I made this whole video about it and it's super vulnerable, probably not probably, but for sure the most vulnerable and raw and exposing piece of video I've ever created that really, you know, shows me. And I submitted it to my partners to approve before I published it. And I hadn't heard from them for like a night and I started getting nervous. Right. (laughs) And then the moment I received that text saying, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. It's so amazing how it came together. I could have just stayed on my computer and kept checking emails and going down my to-do list. But instead I intentionally stood up and I turned on my favorite song right now and I danced for a little bit. Oh, good for you. In recognition, because otherwise I feel like we just keep moving and grinding and we want something so badly and we get it and then we don't even get time to celebrate it. So I think it's such an important reminder, you know, for you, it might look one way, for me, it looks another way, but just having that mental reminder to celebrate and remember that connection. Yeah. And I think you are, you are one of the best people that I know at really like kind of taking in the moment and that's something, I mean, you teach me that every time you come in, you know, you'll, if your body's telling you something, you stop and you kind of like recalibrate and you're really, really good at that. And I admire that in you a lot. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, yeah. And self-care, obviously. You get the self-care trophy of the millennium. (laughs) So speaking of the millennium, I just came up with this new term that I already bought the domain. What is that? I'm still feeling out if it's the correct thing, but I'm calling it social media minimalism. So what is it? So just like there is minimalism for life, there's just like there is essentialism for business and for life. I really want to talk about social media minimalism from the perspective of you don't have to be doing all the things. You just have to do the few right aligned things mm-hmm. that will land the most impactfully yep. and create the biggest results. I like that. That's it. You mentioned Instagram and how this woman came through Instagram. That's going to help you with infrastructure of your company. Mm-hmm. I think it's just so cool. We live in such a world of endless possibility made available through social media. And you are an example of someone despite having so many things going on, school and business and patience, you still find that time to spend time on social media and to talk about vulnerable things and to share lessons and to share advice and guidance. I want to know what is your relationship with social media? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think for me, I've noticed definitely, and and I know that this is true for a lot of us, that the more time I spend on social media, the worse it actually makes me feel. (laughs) So Mm. (laughs) there's not, you know, I've done the cleanse and I don't follow, you know, it's not like I'm following all of the Victoria's Secret Angels and, you know, uh, all of like... Can you say more about that? Right. Why did you unfollow them? Well, I didn't, I never, I never followed them in the first place, but I'm just saying that like, I know when I'm working with women that have anxiety or depression or whatever it is. And, you know, one of the things is that there's a lot of comparing bodies, comparing lives, all of that. One of the things I tell patients is unfollow, you know, or hide accounts that make you feel bad about yourself. So if you're, Preach. yeah, if you're only following, you know, these people with these supposed amazing lives and amazing bodies and amazing trips and all of this stuff, and then you're looking at yourself and you're like, I've only gone to Idaho once this year. 
you know, it starts to make you feel kind of shitty. Idaho is amazing. Idaho is also amazing. Never mind. (laughs) Never North Dakota then. So it's really like kind of a matter of making sure that you're feeding your brain the right things. Even in wellness, you know, it's like we, we are all throwing out wellness things and I have a very funny relationship with it. I don't take it too seriously. And I also don't make myself post all the time. So I'll post maybe some days, like I'll post three, four times a week. And then other times I'll post once. And like, for example, now, right now, like I posted my dog, Nico, who's like this adorable, cute little black dog, but he never gets any likes. And I have no idea why, but like, it's become this funny thing now where like, he's adorable. People love dogs. Why do people not like him? And there's like the black dog theory, you know, about the black dog theory that they're like, no. So the black dog theory is like, in a lot of cultures and a lot of in a lot of kind of throughout history, black animals are bad luck. So black cats are bad luck, but dogs are black. Right. Black. But there's also black hashtag black dog day because they also get they're the last to get adopted. Oh no. So there's shelters. Yeah. So shelters will actually have the black animals longer than the rest of the animals. I don't know if they don't show up on pictures or whatever it is, but all of the animals that I've rescued to date, m- mainly except for one of them that was sort of an accident, <laughs> have been black because I want to give them a chance. And so now it's like if I put them on Instagram, you know, me holding, I don't know, a banana is going to get like, 200 likes. I put Nico up and he gets 140. So now I'm on like a a fight with Instagram, which is completely fabricated in my own head. Let me just put this like out there. This does not exist in reality, but like I'm on strike until Nico, which is my last picture, which posted, I think last week until Nico gets 250 likes. Like I'm not posting, I'm not doing stories. Like I'm on strike. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just like, I make it stupid and I make it fun. And I only post when I feel inspired to. So if I'm really, really busy or really, really stressed or not feeling happy, you know, if I'm kind of in a little like ho-hum mode, like I'm, I'm not going to put something out there just for the sake of putting it out there. So I think I have a pretty healthy relationship in that it doesn't run me. I run it and I go to it when I need to. But like, other than that, it's not, I don't wake up and scroll, you know? That's exactly what I call social media minimalism. You do it when you want to share, when you have something to add to the conversation. Yeah. And not when you feel like, oh, I haven't posted for a week. I should probably post. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of people that get really caught up to in, you know, posting and getting more, more attention than other people and blah, blah, blah. And I just, I think it's like a giant pissing contest. And frankly, if from a healer standpoint, like the thing that I really, really want to convey from my heart space is that we are not in competition with each other. Like I am not in competition with any other acupuncturist, any other healer, any other doctor, no one, because there will never be a shortage of sick people. There will never be a shortage of people who need healing. So the whole, you know, she's doing it better. She's doing it more. She has more information in her post. She, whatever it is, like, there's never a shortage. There's there's never going to be a shortage. I, I mean, I wish that was our problem, right? But really, like, you're only in a competition with yourself. So if you're beating yourself up and holding yourself to somebody else's standard, like, you're losing the battle. Right. So agree with you. I mean, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to only posting when you feel like it, I think in the past year or so, we've seen such a trend of being vulnerable on social media and sharing like your heart out, like Mm -hmm. pictures of yourself crying and stuff. So I think there's a fine balance between only posting when you are inspired and have something to share, but at the same time, keeping it real so that, like you said, it's not just a highlight reel of all the best things. Yeah. 
And I personally don't know what the answer is to that balance because I think both can go overboard pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? I haven't, I haven't seen anybody cry. Really? Not fo- am I not following the criers? You're not. <laughs> Dude. Okay. How about um, another trend that I've seen on Instagram I want to talk to you about is people posting pictures of them being naked or half naked with cup. What do you call them? Cup marks. Cup marks. Yeah. That is, a, that is a nudity movement I can get into. <laughs> can, we, can we debunk some of that? I don't know much about cupping. I usually come to you for acupuncture. So like, should everyone be interested in it and be posting pictures on Instagram of it? I mean, I think it's really, it's a cool modality that we use in traditional Chinese and medicine to either we're moving through stagnation. So if you have like a cold or a flu, or you've kind of just been in a really toxic place for a little while, we can cup and move some of the superficial kind of blood and fascia and, and stuff around that maybe has been locked in and kind of, you know, held in a certain place. So in that way, the cup marks are bringing that blood to the to the surface and kind of increasing circulation and improving detoxification. It can also be used in tight muscles, sports injury, again, to sort of elicit a healing response, wake up the immune system and bring back fresh blood and chi and healing to an area where there is tightness, stagnation, or kind of, it needs to be kind of moved around a little bit. It sounds like it's turmeric. It just does everything. It is sort of turmeric, but you can't use it. Somebody the other day was like, came in and said, what did she say? She was like, oh, right. She was like, I want to use cupping for insomnia. And I was like, okay, so the cupping can relax you and relax your muscles, but like we wouldn't use it to treat insomnia or like Mm -hmm. cupping for bloating. Like maybe we'd use it on the black, the back to possibly wake up some stomach chi, but like that wouldn't be our most effective use. So it can be used, I would say for two things, one colds, flus, and like detoxing and then muscular pain. And I would personally, and I'm sure this will get lit up by a bunch of acupuncturists, but I would personally put it in those two categories and like, say you're safest using it and it's most effective in those two categories. So, you know, when people have cup marks, I think you should share them because it gives a, it gives a bunch of notoriety and it boosts business for us. I mean, let me tell you the amount of calls that I had after Michael Phelps had them in the Summer Olympics. I mean, it was... <laughs> it was gangbusters. Like I told you, I would, I've never paid any PR, but like if I could pay that man for what he gave me in business, like that would be, I'd give him a direct cut. <laughs> so, so yeah, absolutely. Share away. You know, it's like a badge at this point, which I think is really funny, but I'm loving it because it's, again, bringing attention to our medicine, bringing a 5,000 right. year old medicine that doesn't get talked about very often to the forefront and making it cool. Totally. Yeah. I think honestly, anything that it takes for people to just even consider being a little more healthy and having a little more rituals to nourish their bodies and spirits. I'm all for it. Yeah, totally. Like, so that was cupping. Yeah. Let's get to acupuncture. Let's, let's bust some myths there. Okay. So acupuncture myths, let me see. The biggest one is, does it hurt? I would say. And what we say is it doesn't hurt. There's a sensation of kind of like a dull, pressure sometimes. So some of the needles you won't feel at all. And then some of them you kind of feel like as if there's like a 10 year old kid with his finger just lightly pressing on you. What would you, or what would you say it feels like? Cause you, you have it. So, you know, I would say that most of the time it's not painful or sensitive at all. Sometimes when we're doing something very specific, whether it's needles in the belly, we haven't done that that often, 
or sometimes near wrists, there's some points mm -hmm. that are more sensitive when the needles are inserted, but then the pain goes away. And all that happens is that I enter a space of bliss and I lay there for 45 minutes, just like totally flying into different dimensions and feeling high. Totally. And the high is worth any of the momentary discomfort, <laughs> yeah. I would say. But yeah, so the, the main one is, does it hurt? And I would say it does not. It's a different sensation than you're used to. But then more often than not, you're laying. I mean, at Shen Medicine, each of our massage tables has a amethyst crystal mat with infrared energy coming out of it and heat. And so you're you know, going to kind of be lulled into a blissful state of, of consciousness and sleep for more often than not for your treatment. You're not sitting there kind of in pain. The other... For some, it's sleep. For some, it's astral travel. Yeah, that's true. And different rooms, right? Haven't you right. said that like in different rooms, you feel different things? Definitely. And sometimes before I come in, I know which room I want to be in and then magically end up in that room. That's awesome. Because you have like an earth room, a water room, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Fire, metal, earth, and water. Yeah. Have you been in the water room? There's one room that I didn't even know exists until last week. Right. That's the water room. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta change that. Yeah. You would love that room. That's like the cocoon. People go in there and they just like don't want to come out. Yeah. What other acupuncture meds? So the other thing that I would definitely love to kind of illuminate for people is the concept that it's acupuncture works like Western medicine. You take a pill and you know you feel better within hours. So acupuncture works, you know, it's a 5,000 year old energy system and it works on the body by bringing it back into balance. So the thing that I kind of explain to patients is, you know, if you've had chronic low back pain or chronic neck pain for 10 years, and then you're coming to acupuncture once and you expect that to be gone, like it took 10 years for your body to get into such a state of dysfunction that it's been holding and causing you pain as to where you are in the current day. So it's going to take a little while. It's not going to take 10 years, thank God, or we'd be out of business, but it's going to take a little while to unwind that. And so usually what I say for orthopedic pain is that we'll need to see you twice a week for about four weeks, four to six weeks, depending on how you know chronic it is and what's going on and then usually we see you once a week for another you know couple of months maybe 3 months and what we're doing and everybody's individual so you know some people that we've helped you know avoid surgery we're seeing them twice a week for 8 or 12 weeks and then we go down to once a month so it kind of depends on what you're coming in with but i would say that you know for you to get real results where you're feeling the difference you need to come on a regular basis and it needs to be over, you know, four to six months, especially stuff like menstrual irregularities. You know, we need to see your flow and see your, your menstruation, see how that's going for a couple of cycles. So, you know, when people, we have them come in and it's so interesting to me how, you know, somebody will come in and they'll have a great session. And, you know, I had a woman actually come in for neck pain probably like about a month ago. And she, she came in and she's had neck pain for 15 years. And I said, and she, she got off the table and she was like, yeah, it was at a 10. Now it's at kind of like a six. This is great. Look how I can turn my neck. This is awesome. And I said, yep. And there's a bit of a healing arc. So the next couple of days, like you might be a little bit sore. It might creep up back up to a seven or eight. And then the next time I see you, you know, at the end of the week, it'll be at maybe like an eight or a nine, but then we'll get it back down to a six and it'll stay at a six for like maybe the weekend. So it's kind of like inching it down, but keeping, making sure that you are always kind of moving in the right direction and supporting the body with different healing modalities, herbs, vitamins, whatever it may be to kind of continue that healing. And then she, you know, she said to me, she's like, that's like twice a week for six weeks is kind of a lot. 
And the best way that I could explain it to her is when you walk into a gym and you go to a trainer, right? What do you do? You go to the trainer and you're like, I want to lose 15 pounds and I want to be stronger. The trainer's not like, yeah, come like three times. So you just, <laughs> you come this week, come in a couple of weeks and like, well, you're going to look like Adriana Lima by like probably March. <laughs> like That's not how it is. You're training the body on how to get stronger. You're training the body to lose fat. You're training the body to be more balanced and be stronger and use muscles that you've never used before. So the concept is you're going to start working out all the time. The same, it's kind of the same thing with acupuncture. Like you need to be on a program. So the people that I would urge the people that have been in and say, oh, you know, it didn't really work. And I I'm always ask, you know, who did you go to and how many times did you go? And it's like, they went for chronic migraines. They went four times, nothing happened. It's like the same thing. Like, just like you would train the body to get stronger and you need to unwind the body to relax, right? So you're training the body how the chi runs in the right direction and the blood flow runs, you know, in the right direction. And, you know, relaxation, you're taking the functional integrity of whatever joint is being, is has pathology around it. And you're relaxing that, releasing that musculature. Your body has to get used to it and it takes time. So it's not a magic pill, but it's worth it because at the end, you don't have to keep taking pills. And once you've trained your body, you just need upkeep, which is way easier. That was my soapbox. One of the things that I love the most about visiting your office is that anytime I book an appointment, I get an email that says, come dress comfy and well-fed. Yes. Just like reading the word well-fed and cozy and comfy, it makes me feel so cozy right away, even before I get acupuncture. Totally. Totally. We want your tummy full of food, you know, and (laughs) the amount of people they'll come in and I'm like, it's five o'clock and they've had a bar. You know, that's why we have bars. That's why we have nuts. Cause I'm like, we're not doing energy work and you've had a half a granola bar. You're on the fashion diet. Like, you know, have some water. Let's have some nuts. (laughs) So why is it important to be nourished before doing energy work? So important. So like a couple of reasons, but one is the way that our body makes chi, which is energy. The way that we cultivate that in our body is through the digestive system, through the functions of the spleen, the stomach. And so if you are not feeding your body enough food and you're malnourished, which I think a lot of us are, then there's nothing to produce energy. There's no way that your body can make that vital life force that runs through you. So Mm -hmm. then in turn, if you are weak, you don't have any chi, you don't have any food in your tummy and you're kind of out of balance. If we start moving energy around, it's going to have a really, really strong effect. And sometimes that's a really strong, good effect. And sometimes, you know, that can be overwhelming for some people. Some people can, you know, feel like, you know, I've come in before and somebody's lied to me about the lunch they're having. And all of a sudden they're like, the room is spinning. And I'm like, well, we're doing really grounding, you know, opening points. So we need to tether you to the ground so you don't have anxiety anymore. We can, you know, fix your migraines. And sure enough, they had four blueberries it's really important that you nourish yourself. Cause like we can do all the rest. Look, we can relax you. We have herbs to heal you. We have vitamins to nourish you. We have, you know, mats to chill you out. Like we cups and gua sha. We have all the tools. Dude, you have crystals like in every corner. Exactly. We have, we have all the things. Just eat the food. Just eat the food. <laughs> That's my- you don't have to tell me twice. I know you are. You're so good. <laughs> and you've always had like a dream lunch. You're like, I had, avocado and cashew butter, like rack of organic, whatever, pheasant on organic greens from (laughs) Farmer Joe's. I'm like, oh my, my mouth is watering. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yes. So good. I haven't fed you for a while. We need to change that. I remember I brought you that matcha. Oh man. No, I know you and Paige take turns just getting me fat. Mm. Yes. So good. 
So, okay, we talked about the physical benefits of acupuncture. I want to get a little bit into what are some of the non-physical or metaphysical benefits of acupuncture that you've seen in your patients or maybe in yourself? Yeah. So I mean, do you get poked? I can. I'm really bad at poking myself. A lot of times like I'll have bruises on my face or <laughs> on my neck or whatever, because I, I'm not a good patient. So I'm a good practitioner, but I'm a horrible patient. So I'll put needles in my neck and then walk around the apartment and be like, oh, wait. <laughs> And then there will be like a bruise there the next day. So, I mean, the the spiritual metaphysical effects of acupuncture are, we would need like another four hours of it. But one of the things that we have a couple of practitioners that specialize in at Shen is just emotional release. And I think that in a world where we're constantly feeling anxious and feeling pushed against the deadline and feeling stressed and, you know, we expect ourselves to have things, everything together and, and perfect it's really important that we carve out a little time each week to give ourselves, give not only our, our mind a break, but also just give our emotional and spiritual energy a little breath and just kind of let it release, let it relax, let go of the tension. And so in acupuncture, there's a bunch of different ways that we can do this, but there are special psycho-spiritual points kind of all over the body. And so what's interesting is that when we're reading your pulse and we grab your hand at the beginning of one session, we're reading for what's going on inside the body on a physical level, but we're also reading what's going on on an emotional level. So if I'm reading your pulse, I can tell, you know, maybe you're about to get your period, but I can also tell that, you know, if you have a specific pulse that maybe you are really frustrated. And is that every acupuncturist who can do that? Or is that just you? This is the thing that really depends on the schooling. So you want to make sure that you're going to, um, you know, a very well-educated acupuncturist, but any, you know, master's level acupuncturist should be able to tap into the emotions if that's their thing. Now, there are like a bunch of fabulous acupuncturists that are just orthopedic sports medicine kind of thing. They're not going to be that interested in, you know, the frustration you have towards your partner, (laughs) but they can, you know, relax the shit out of your trap. So you got to kind of like go to the place that calls to you the most. But one of the specialties that I studied was shenmedicine.com. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One of the specialties that I studied was five element acupuncture and and they're really tapping into what your spirit needs and doing um, entry exit points and opening up the chest, the heart, and different things, depending on what we see presented emotionally. So it's kind of cool. Like there's this one that I love to do when people are getting out of a breakup. And when we get out of a breakup, are we kind of, you know, and when we end a relationship in any sense, there's a part of our heart that sort of closes to protect. And it's a very natural mechanism that we go into. But what ends up happening is if you continue to protect your heart, it closes off that heart space and it kind of makes a little shell around you and you don't have as much tendency to open it up even to friends or colleagues or, you know, there's a little part of you that's shut down in a way. And so there's a couple of treatments that I love to do to open heart space and open the chest and kind of reinvigorate that little part of you that has been shut down or, or has been wounded, you know, and that's just one of the many psycho-spiritual things that we look for in the pulse. I want that. You have a very open heart space, Missy. <laughs> okay. You have All a right. very open heart space. What what we work on, I mean, this isn't, I hope this isn't an overshare, but we work on you with no. kidneys 
because you are constantly on the go. So in Chinese medicine, the kidneys are sort of our savings account of energy and they're sort of what we, they're like our reserves. So we're tapping into that when we need to get through the extra push or, you know, you are so mind expanded that you're going, your brain and your creativity and your soul and your consciousness are always going in so many different directions that it sort of wears on your kidneys a little bit because they're fueling all of this energy. So a lot of times what I'm doing with you is kind of tapping into your kidneys and making sure they're grounded and nourished and you have enough chi and yin there so that you can keep going with all these creative endeavors. Mm, I'm going to try and see you tomorrow mm-hmm. for yeah. my mastermind. Yeah, I know because you're doing so many things right now. Like what was the charity that was Lenny Kravis's thing? It's called Let Love Rule in collaboration with Glow Good Foundation. And they are a New York dental office that bring dentistry to a small island in the Bahamas that otherwise doesn't have any access to it. That is so beautiful. And they're just like doing cleanings and fixing things? Oh, they're doing like everything. Root canals, dentures, cleanings. It's insane. They have like the whole equipment. Great. Yeah. That's anyway. Back to you. I know we have only a few minutes. Okay. I'm going to link to the vlog if you guys or you page want to see more on that trip. Yeah. I'm happy to share that. Yeah. But while I have a few precious moments with the almost PhD, I want to <laughs> use that to the max. Yeah. So I have two more questions to you. One is what have been some of the trainings or maybe books or movies or whatever it is have had the most impact on your personal development, consciousness, business, vision, entrepreneurship, all the things? Mm, Such a loaded question. Let me think. There's like a lot of things in there. (laughs) What's on the surface? What's coming up? Okay. Okay. So business-wise, I think the Who book, again, was really, really good for me hiring because it cut a lot of the bullshit out. And Not like Hugh Kitchen, but like Who, like WHO, like Who. Hmm. Who? That there's another book called The Ultimate Blueprint by Keith Cunningham that I'm reading right now. That's quite good, and that's kind of giving you an idea of a business blueprint. So again, more like that's very much more business minded. Let's see. And then for relationships and for oh, this is like one of my faves. So and I give this out at, at work a lot. Like I just Amazon bulk order and I'm like, you need this. <laughs> you know, it's like the sage wisdom gift. But it's there's a book called Safe People by Dr. Mm-hmm. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. And it teaches you what? Yeah. I just had a call with Dr. Cloud the other week. We were talking about working together. Really? That's so cool. Yeah. Tell him he is awesome. Okay. So Safe People is a book about boundaries and kind of like identifying safe and unsafe people and the characteristic traits of safe and unsafe people. So when you're dating or when you're in a friendship or even really with your family, it's it's helped a ton with, with my family. <laughs> That and Valium. No, I'm kidding. Um, But (laughs) it's a really good blueprint to identify safe and unsafe character traits and behaviors in people and before that they kind of get to you. So I will give a little bit of a forewarning. It's so Dr. Claude and Dr. Townsend are Christian psychologists. So it does have a bit, it does have a Christian backdrop. So if you are you know, insanely atheist or agnostic or whatever it is, if you can read the book and kind of not be drawn into the, you know, the biblical references, like you're you're still going to get so much out of it. Um, So that, Mm -hmm. that book is incredible and teaches you a ton about relationships for inspiration and just like wanderlusting. The red tent is incredible. And it's a, the red tent is a story of women in the early 
kind of ages. It's like a coming of age woman's book and about like how they would separate women to menstruate and all the women would be together in this red tent. And it's very beautiful, very inspirational. It makes you feel womanly. Give me another category. Um, spiritual growth. Oh, return to love. Marianne. <laughs> Man, there is no place that I have ever, no dark place that I have ever been at in life. And there have been several that I have not just picked that up and read mm. a couple pages wherever the book landed and felt like I could go on a little bit, you know, like it, it really helped me through my last breakup and not harboring resentment, not being angry, not just shutting down, not kind of just going into work mode, like the return to love is, is fantastic. And then I subsequently bought A Course in Miracles, which is so hard to read. So <laughs> just read a return to love. She's making it real easy for you. <laughs> and one other thing you mentioned is crystals. And I can't figure out, you know, on the one hand, you're so skeptical and sarcastic about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But on the other <laughs> hand, you have crystals literally everywhere in your office. So what's the reality there? So it's a kind of like, it's a joke that I have with myself, but it's very much like that. You remember we were going to do that spoof on wellness? Yeah. Okay. That's like mind, body, green. Right. Exactly. That's, that is very much how I feel about the entire wellness industry. Like on one hand, I love that. Like we're taking time out that we're putting crystals on our desk to like shield from bad energy that, you know, we're carrying rose quartz around when we need love in our life as a reminder. And I think that they are quite powerful. On the other hand, you know, I'm what I'm scoffing at is, you know, when people are like, I had, you know, whatever terminal illness and I prayed to my crystal and I got better. It's like, maybe that did happen and I'm glad, but like, I don't think that everybody should think that that's the norm, you know, like kind of, kind of like don't take them so seriously. It's like a love hate relationship. I think they have immense healing powers. I have them in my house. I have them all over the office for sure. But I think it's your relationship with the crystal. And I think it's totally very, like anything else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you can, are you, if you're going to carry this rock and you're going to be like, because I have rose quartz, I'm going to be more loving today. Oh my God. Do that. Do that. Do that. 100%. Yeah. But I do scoff at them. They're easy. It's an easy target. They can't talk back. <laughs> what crystal are you carrying right now? I don't have anything on me, but right now I'm carrying around, or I had my pocket a couple of days ago, the, is it? black tourmaline it's like the very dark hmm. it's the most grounding and yes. cleansing yes exactly yep. exactly because yep. i have three trips in the next you know 20 days i'm hiring for shen we're doing like kind of midterm status with the the doctoral program and you know life on top of that so i need i need something to <laughs> pull me down <laughs> If you do anything with crystals, just take four pieces of black tourmaline and put it in every corner of your home or office, and that's going to create a very powerful shield of protection. Really? So That's good to yes. know. Okay, perfect. We talk more about that in our course. I don't know if you know that, but me and my boyfriend, we have a course on how to use crystals in real life. Yeah, you were saying I love that. So that's like the number one tip. Anyway, my final question to you. Are you ready, Paige? I'm ready. What is something that you wish people asked you when they interview you or do podcast conversations with you that no one ever brings up, but is very important to you? Oh my God. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I should have a minute to think about that. Mm. I guess I want people, I don't know if I want someone to ask me, but I guess the thing that I want to convey to people is like, I want people to know that it's not, it's not easy to be an entrepreneur. And I think that 
there's a lot of misalignment in what we see on Instagram and what we think of life when it's just kind of like we're traveling or we're this or we're that and isn't that a great life working for yourself. And I want people to know that it's not easy and not in a way to discourage you, but I feel like it's hard for me to watch people who are starting their businesses or starting to recreate themselves and they have a couple stumbles and they compare and they go, yeah, but like, look at you or like, look at this or look at this. And I just want to remind people that you really don't see what's behind the scenes and you really don't see all the hard work and the blood, sweat and tears. And there are definitely cases where, you know, somebody, somebody got funding from something and it just took off and that was easy. But for the most part, it is really kind of two steps forward and then you fall back and then two steps forward and you fall down again. And so I really, I would really hope to convey that to anybody starting a business or anybody running their own thing or thinking of getting into a new career path that, you know, it's going to take some of your soul, but you wouldn't be proud of it. I think if it wasn't a little tough on the way up, my, my two cents. Yes. Yes. And for people who want to continue this conversation with you, what's the best way to connect with you and your work? So I would say probably, I mean, if they want to come in for an amazing healing acupuncture session that will obviously get rid of all of their problems, not true. (laughs) Some of their problems though, then, you know, checking out www.shenmedicine.com and shooting us an email on there and we can get you in for an appointment and talk about what, you know, is specifically plaguing you and your health goals. And then myself, I mean, I'm active-ish on Instagram. Um, I think reaching out to the office would be the best, would the, be the best way because my inbox is like 7,000 emails <laughs> unread. So I can't, I can't promise you anything there. <laughs> Until I get done with school, I'm going to be a part of a human. But, but yeah, I think Perfect. the AccuCheck in Instagram or Sean Medicine. And if you guys are moved and inspired by any part of this conversation, take a screenshot and tag at Woken Wired and at the AccuCheck and let us know what it is. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Or what you want to hear more of. Yeah. Oh, yes. For part two. Perfect. Thank you so much, Paige. This was amazing. I'm going to see if I can get in with you as soon as possible. Yeah. Bring your crystals so you can show me (laughs) which ones. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. That was so fun. If you enjoyed the show, Please share it with your friends, leave a review, and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.